Hello and welcome to Open All Ours. I'm Chris Charles, um, back for only the third time this season, uh, for which I'm sure you're all grateful. Uh, we were supposed to have a, a QPR legend on, but at the last minute he, he couldn't make it, so instead got three legendary QPR fans. First of all, Paul Stokes. Paul, how are you? I'm good, thank you. This is my best ever season on the podcast. I've two podcasts in a season, so <laughs> very excited. Excellent. Yeah, it's because the last one was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah, J- Jimmy Dunn for the whole show. I mean, absolutely, uh, you know, I, you, c- you, c- you couldn't pay for that, really, or, or at least, uh, you know, earn enough coins on the QPR app. Yeah, what a, what a nice fella he is. Lovely man. Um, we've also got Steve Sace. Good evening. How are you? You, you look like you're sitting at Loftus Road, but I'm guessing that's some sort of computer trickery there. It is computer trickery. Yes, I'm a bit of a nerd, I'm afraid. Um, I have to say, I've, I've been on the pod a few times, and it's actually nice coming on when things are so positive i've usually got you and finney moaning on like nobody's business so uh it's actually really nice to see you <laughs> uh, i don't normally moan that much actually um i mean i can't speak for finney obviously um but yeah and, and um yeah that, thanks for because because you um you were supposed to be at the fans forum but um despite having your booster jab you, you still managed to get covid doesn't it? yeah yeah it's absolutely bizarre I've, i have tested positive for, for covid i don't have any symptoms um some of you listening might be sad to hear that but uh, <laughs> yeah no i I'm, I'm absolutely fine so i've got to self-isolate until thursday I've, i'm gonna miss a stoke game so yeah i'm a bit well i i shouldn't be cheesed off because i'm I'm still standing, so uh, you know, and I know a lot of people who are COVID haven't. So, uh, but yeah, no, it's all very strange. Yeah, uh, well, I'm glad at least that you're you're okay. Um, Thank you very much. And, and Paul Finney, how are you? I don't mourn. Well, I do, but it'd be hard pressed to mourn at this season. I know he pulls you could have mourned after Peterborough and Fulham. I'm all right. I'm all right. Working hard. Um, got. The blinking chest is playing up again. And I had my booster the other day, and the woman—I swear to God—it was like she was like a mini javelin. She must have took a running jump at it, and <laughs> it hurt like fit. Um, I just—the trouble is with me. I always sit down before an injection, and just about to explain. Hello, my name is Paul. I'm a celiac, and I'm from Belfast. All that, and my needle phobia. And this time, I was supposed to say, just to warn you, I've got it. Ow! <laughs> It's probably the best way to do it. It's like like BA on the plane. Just no, it's, it's weird, but it's it's weird that you got it, Steve. I, I find that incredibly bizarre. But I think this whole thing is bizarre and how it's affected things. And I'm just hoping we can keep, still keep going to football for as long as possible. Yeah, so I say all of us. Yes, indeed. Well, I guess there's only one place to start, really, and that's um, Andre Gray. <laughs> I mean, mm. wow. Um, I don't know if. I wasn't there. I don't know if any of you were there, actually. Um, Sadly not. I was due to go, but I couldn't have the work. Yeah, pretty much the same for me. But, um, yeah, all I can say is that me and my daughter were watching it in her room. And, um, yeah, (laughs) the the neighbours must have thought there was, like, a murder going on, I think, because uh, the noise was just ridiculous. Uh, It was one of those. It was kind of reminded me a bit of... I mean, even though I wasn't there this time, but when we were, when Trevor Sinclair scored against Barnsley and the whole ground went quiet for like a couple of seconds, it sort of felt it just it's one of those goals that you you can't take in straight away. Um, but being at home, the one 
benefit of that was having the replays and, and it was just like, wow, extraordinary. I think it's one of them goals that looks better every time you see it. You kind of think, how did you do that? How, what? Hi. You know, Willock's goal was sublime, but that, 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 that one just, wow. I mean, considering he hasn't been having a great season, that's one way to announce yourself on the QPR stage, I think. And um, long may that continue because if you can do that, let's keep in the side for a bit longer. It's kind of those ones, one of those you see maybe people do on the training ground, you know, when you've got, when you haven't got the pressure of playing a match and going into the, like the, the last minute. But um, I, I did, I mean, I, I did think we were kind of good value uh, to get the three points in the second half. And obviously when it came off the, came off the bar, I thought that was it. But Steve, come on, what did you think of that? Well, first of all, that, yeah, that, that, that Andre Gray goal was absolutely amazing. Um Almost as amazing as how many tattoos he has on on his back, but uh, <laughs> um, it, it's instinctive. I mean, you can't you can't train that, you can't coach that into someone. It's just like to have no, number one, have the ridiculous idea of doing it, and then secondly, to actually be able to execute it. You know, to take it on your thigh and then and then set it with your with your foot and then absolutely leather it. it was just it was just a joy to behold. Um, but I think we have to give give credit as well to, to Chris Willock, who also that second half was was absolutely amazing. And that 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 um well the the his goal, but the the assist from Austin as well, absolutely fantastic. Picked him out and picked him out perfectly. Because I thought I thought first half we were okay. I didn't think we were that great. Um and you know, but like how often has that happened this season? We've sort of come steaming back in the second half and uh, and really punished teams. And uh, yeah, I, I thought I thought we were brilliant. And yeah, it uh, you know we're third in the table. I've got a nosebleed. Yeah, I mean, season's gone by. I think as well. You go one nil down, and you're pretty much oh well, that's it then. You know, um, but but this season, I don't, there's not been many occasions when we've gone down, and I've not thought we'd be able to get back into it. Um, which is. Yeah, I think yeah, exactly. You just feel like we we've got another gear, um, and we certainly hit that gear on uh, against Derby, um, and and I think you know we nearly hit it against uh, against Blackpool. I mean, I think you know that we do, we do have an extra step in us, and and if it comes together, it just it just works beautifully. And Paul, so we again start with the goal. I mean, I don't know how many different ways you can describe it in, but I know. Most people have watched it at least 20 times, I would imagine, since then. But it was a thing of great beauty, really. It was just, you know, just one of those things that you... It's a shame it's not that they won't do one of those digital recreations where you can see it from whichever angle you, you choose to see it. In fact, they should do that because it is... Oh, it was, a, it was you know, a, um, footballer's art, really. It was so amazing, the inventiveness, the finish, the fact their keeper just stood there. That was such a beautiful moment. You know, he just suddenly thought... What, what? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and also a, a last-minute goal at Derby County away, where we had that before. You know, that, know. that was that was such a great thing. I have actually the opposite experience to you because my four-year-old son had fallen asleep, so I had to celebrate that by trying to make no noise whatsoever, <laughs> which was actually probably harder than just screaming uh, down Hammer, which is probably what I would have done. Um, no, it was amazing. I thought this, the first goal was great. I mean, if you're going to be picky, um, the start again, and it's it's like this season's. Um, this season, we didn't have enough intensity in the first half. Is last season's you need to take your rewards as far as Mark Warburton's concerned. That does seem to be the if you're going to be looking at this side and say, what is the, the Achilles heel at the moment or the, or the thing you, you need to improve? It's just, you know, it could really have put them to the sword, I think, in the first half. They, you know, the moment they scored the goal, they got scared and, you know, retreated and 
I just think you know we got we had so much time on the ball, so many so many balls in the um, in their penalty area, didn't really do anything with it. Which obviously the second half we addressed. So that's the one thing. I, if I'm going to be critical, I would say, can we? Why don't we just start games like we finished them <laughs> by scoring amazing goals? <laughs> and and um, you know, with, with the, we just mentioned that like the, the another late goal against Derby and the, the, the QPR um, the QPR Twitter feed went to town on poor old Derby. I kind of felt a bit sorry for them in the end, but. Yeah, I know too many Derby fans to have been able to uh, like or retweet that, unfortunately. But yeah. um, you know, it was uh, banter. They say. I mean, it's one. Of, it's one. Of, I mean, I as a QPR fan, I'm, I don't know how everyone else feels, but I am so worried about jinxing myself or football hubris or the the gods yeah. of football coming back and striking me down. And when I saw that, I was like, it's very, very funny. But <laughs> please, just, please mean. don't make me rue that. <laughs> Yeah, I won't sing the EIO song at the moment because, you know, again, because of that, you know, the, the, the you know, suggestions that you're going to get promotion. It, it's a weird thing. Football does weird things to you. But um, and then obviously you had Charlie Austin, um, you know, doing the uh, the fake crying as well in front of the Derby fans. I'm sure that he's just pointing out the similarities between himself and Kylian Mbappe. Sure, that was all that was. <laughs> the, the, the trouble is with Derby, I mean, you got to, you feel for any club in that position. I mean, we're all football fans at the day. They're in an awful situation. And, it's just kind of weird because I have a lot of sympathy, but when we were getting done for FFP, they were one of the biggest pains in the arse to get us done. And they absolutely, them and Forrest were absolutely raging at us and um, pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And blo and behold, they were breaking all the rules themselves. Well, I just so, remember when when um, when Rooney went there, they it, we were we it was our game at their place that they unveiled him at and they were giving it such the bigger no oh, we've got you know Rooney and you know they were giving it they were giving it you know all, all, all this mouth and as you say they've got it they've got it completely wrong and they've, and they've broken all the rules so I do have some sympathy but I kind of there's a little bit of you kind of got a little bit of what you deserve there like in the same way that we got you know from for our overspending in the promotion season we got absolutely hammered for it yeah, but, yeah, but the thing is as I keep saying people we brought relegation you know, at the end of the day. But I mean, listen, we tried. But then Derby were quite loud about things. I remember when the when the Mahatma Rooney and other things were doing, we don't care if we break the rules, we're going up, blah, blah, blah. And it all went wrong roughly about the same time as Samora's ball hit the back of the net. Their downfall probably started around about then. And I said, I'm like, Paul, I know lots of Derby fans who are, who are decent and like us are, are proper fans. And I feel for them as fans. But the way their club was hammering other clubs while being an absolute shit show behind the scenes themselves and and breaking every rule. I have no sympathy for the owners because they do exactly what they're doing. In the same way that we knew what we were doing as well. You've got to take it on the chin. You've got to take your medicine and you know and I think hopefully they'll come back like we have and learn that it doesn't make you a better club. You're a much better club doing it the right way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a difficult one because you, you you've got to sort of kind of separate the owners and the fans, because it's, it's mm. ultimately it's the fans who get punished for it, isn't it? By the, the points deduction, and you know, I'm, I'm sure. But their um, new owner was there, Chris, on Monday as well, which is really weird. Yeah, oh, I saw that. Potential yeah. new owner, and I don't know much about him. I mean, it's 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 just really. Do you know what? It, it it leads into a segue, which is quite bizarre as well. These new grounds and the clubs get the new grounds to get ready for the Premiership. I mean, Paul. Well, me, Paul, and Steve. Steve. Well, you're not that old, Steve. We're all older people. We've all seen this, but there's going to be a lot of these clubs that you know bring all the money they can to get these crowns end up in a lot of trouble afterwards as well if it doesn't go the way of the Premiership straight away. Do you know what I mean? There's a 
there's a real link and be careful what you wish for when you're going for a new ground where you're trying to put all your money into that. And then if the dream doesn't happen, look at how it could end. I think there's a real, with new, with new grounds, not, not to comment on anything we're doing to do, but I think it does seem to be like the curse of British football. You know, the amount of people who've built new grounds and it's just gone a bit wobbly. You know, the only teams who've moved into new grounds who've done all right at West Ham and Man City who didn't build those grounds. You know, it does, you, you do, you know, look at Arsenal. Arsenal, got, you know, had, had a great, you know, obviously they needed to move a bigger ground match day revenue. They've never quite been the same team and never quite enjoyed, you know, the same success since they moved. So it is a, it is a funny one, the new ground. It is, it's so much money. I think you have to shell out no matter, you know, if your Spurs doing it or your Derby doing it, that you can see why the people must get tempted to do, you know, maybe see, oh, we make and make that work and that work. Cause in the long term, it'll all pay itself off because the match day revenue will go up. And I like, like um, um, you were saying, it's the fans don't run the club. That is, that is the issue. You know, you, I do feel for all the Derby fans I know and the ones who are having a go on Twitter because they don't, they don't, they weren't responsible for signing off how the club has run. And so that points is actually it's bad for them, but you have to have something that's going to stop people from doing that again. And I guess that, you know, affecting results and causing relegations is the only way that's going to happen. Well, there was a thing, you know, I will come off Derby in a minute, but there was a thing I had to explain to one of my kids what liquidation meant because there was an article saying Derby facing liquidation. And that led to a conversation to say, yeah, would you, yeah, we don't like Derby much. Would you like to see them liquidate? And I said, no, no, of course not. You know, it's like their fans are the same as us. I'm trying to explain it. And then she said, what about Brentford? And I said, no, the same. And Fulham, you know, they're all fans. What about Chelsea? And I went, oh, Christ. That is is a difficult one, actually. That is really tricky. I'm morally bankrupt in that one. I'm I'm a a great, you know, we we all are again. We're all fans, aren't we? And fans are fans. And you kind of feel for any club. But there's a couple of clubs and Chelsea's just one of them. Yeah, yeah. It is. I was doing the same because you you want to do the right thing. Well, the right thing. I should probably say yes, you didn't know. But you want to do the the right thing. And so when they've got fans too, but then you think about a lot of their fans. I mean, I know Chelsea fans. Don't get me wrong. I went to school with Chelsea fans and they're old school fans and they're they're fine, you know. But yeah, I I just said, I just can't answer that question. (laughs) Anyway, this new ground curse, when's it when when are the wheels going to fall off for Brentford? Yeah, <laughs> but they were kind of falling off until they met Everton, who were like you know the the, the worst team in the in the world. <laughs> yeah. um, the, the trouble with Brentford is that you know it's <laughs> they you know they're everyone's second team, aren't they? Everyone's going to be real loving with them. Not mine. No, no, not mine. <laughs> and it, it's it's you know this oh lovely, lovely Brentford, and you are kind of like no, they're a pack of gobshites. I don't you know, and but they've done it all right. You can't hate them for doing it wrong. Whereas Chelsea. Whatever they do is always wrong, and they're just a hateful <laughs> bunch of arseholes. Whereas Brentford, they have done it right. You have to give them some credit, but not too much credit, and just hope they fall flat in their arse and come out of the league. Although I'm kind of laughing at the idea that Newcastle, with all this money, will actually get relegated. Really <laughs> <laughs> that will be funny. Listen, going back to that game, uh, the Derby game. Do do you see that as a like a pivotal moment in the season? I know we're on a good run. We're sort of six unbeaten, one four drawn two. I think. Um, it's kind of, I know this was a lot earlier in the season, but um, 2 2 against Derby uh, under Warnock, you know, that scrambled goal. That was the moment I started to think, hang on, hang on, we could we could do something here. And after that, as I said, like you said earlier, Paul, I, 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 I don't want to jinx it, but um, um, yeah, I did start to think, actually, you know, I said to Nancy, like, if we go, if we can be at Christmas, Within four points of the top top six, I'll be happy. And and touch wood, that looks likely that's going to happen. Mm. I mean, my problem with this season about pivotal moments is I think January is the pivotal moment because of the African Cup of Nations. Ah, yeah. I mm. think you lose chair. I just just think 
the, the amount that takes away from the team is huge and you're not going to be able to sign someone to replace him. Sonny Dieng, I think, allows you to play for, out from the back in a way that I'm not sure the other goalkeepers we have, we don't know because we've not seen a lot of them, but I'm not sure they we, we can play, we'll be able to play in the same way. So I think the pivotal moment for me is how we weather January. If we come out of January and we're still in touch, then that will be the pivotal moment and then we might do something. But the, the sort of pessimist in me just thinks you're losing three players for a month plus the walk, you know, going away, recovering afterwards. That, that, is, that gives me the fear at the moment. Generally. Yeah, I totally get well, how, how does it affect? I've been trying to look at this online. How does it affect other clubs? Are we like the worst hit in the division, do you think? Does anyone know? Or is there any other big names that could be missing from? I think um, maybe. But... Uh... I, I, it's, it's something we should have researched, Chris. It if is. We did a proper podcast and we had a heads on. But as I'm not researching that kind of thing, because quite frankly, if I start doing that, I'm going to question my sanity. I would have thought probably. I mean, the championship will there be that many clubs of it? I wouldn't have thought so. Probably Forest because they've got about seventy-five thousand players. <laughs> so they they might be losing a couple. But yeah, I, I don't know the answer to that. But it's just. So and that see that doesn't worry me so much, Paul. It worries me a wee bit, but it's playing the teams that we're supposed to beat worries it absolutely Jesus out of me. You know when everyone goes like, "Oh, we're playing Peterborough at home," I'll be I'll be absolutely crapping myself for a week because you know that's you know that that's will be full down. But you know I don't I I I'm still thankful we can get Archer in to do a job, but sure, yeah, that's a that's a really tricky one. I, I yeah I I don't know. And it, it, all it takes an injury in defence, then Kakai's not available. It's that it, it just is that thing. It just depends how that, that month of games well, go surely, and how quickly people recover as well. Surely mm. we've got to sign, you know, in, in, in the wake of that, we've got to make some signings in January, even if it's loan signing as cover. <coughs> you would have thought. Um, yeah, trouble is, Chris, again, trouble, sorry, sorry, Chris, but the trouble with loan signing is when you go to that level, you've got to more or less guarantee to play them. Do you yeah. know what I mean? You can't just say, well, I'm here to until a few weeks here, we're just going to bring them in for a few weeks, that will now be, you'll have to play them, I guess. I mean, Messi's not doing that much at um, PSG. <laughs> you know, it's it's so tricky though, because I'm, I'm really enjoying watching show and I think there's there's so much room for his improvement and it, it will, because I'm just wondering as well with the pandemic, you know, the isolation and the recovery time is going to be even longer, isn't it? They're going to have to self-isolate, they're going to have to do this, they're going to do that, so they could be going for a wee while. Yeah, I, I think the thing is him and him and Willock seem to have got quite a decent understanding. I think it's now, now with all the you know injuries clearing up, we haven't got a dearth in mid of midfield players. It's just not midfield players who can do the same kind of job he does. But anyway, we, we, we've managed to talk ourselves into doom and gloom. We've probably got four or five games to play since then, so. Um, Win all of those, and we could be. It might not matter if we lose. I think that's. What I was agree. I'd agree with um, Paul Stokes. So that, uh, yeah, you know, we've we've got five games to play this month, um, and we don't have a great record of being good over Christmas. So let's 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 hope it's a happy Christmas. But yeah, I, I mean, we've 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 just hit third. If we if we can if we can come out of January still third there or thereabouts, then then I think. I'll start to think. Yeah, I think we can do something, but we're gonna, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna have to take some points, definitely. When I said pimped a moment, I didn't think, oh no, we're gonna win the league now. What I mean is that it, it's, I mean, if if we beat Stoke on 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 Sunday, um, we put a bit more. There's a bit you put a bit more distance between yourselves and and seventh place, mm. um, but equally, <clears throat> with the game between the top two on Friday, I know it's if but some probabilities, but. We could be within four points, say, of Bournemouth mm. 
if we if if we, if we win, which was kind of unthinkable about a few games ago. And I, that was coming on the last six games. What what's been the key to that? Do you think in terms of um, I know we've got people coming back and stuff like that, but um, Paul Stokes, what do you think? What, what what's the reason for our consistency over the last six games? Um, I think it's kind of twofold. It's one of defence. It seems to be you know whereas there were matches where we were letting in goals last minute or, you know, you know, turning what wins into draws and making silly mistakes. That seemed, the defence seems to now be, you know, particularly with Wallace coming back, that, you know, really seems to have a, a, a sort of solidifying effect and they look pretty good. Albert Adoma as your first choice wing back is, you know, is, is working at the moment, which is fantastic. I'm so pleased for him. Uh, the other one I think is Dozel. I mean, there must be something. He's coming to that team. And since then, I think we've got more points than, than any other team, I think, this month in, in the championship. And you just think, I, you know, it's weird. I look at his performances and I think he's so much improved from that guy who had his back to go against Barnsley and was giving the ball away at home and you're going, oh, God. You know, he's obviously got, got his head down on the training ground and really learned and, and worked. But at the same time, he's one of those players where I wouldn't say, apart from the assist at Cardiff, you'd go, oh, he did that amazing and that's the thing. So I think, he, you know, it's maybe he him and Johansson just have clicked in that partnership. And there's something that seems that to me is the big difference in terms of look at the squad from a month before to the, the month now, but I wouldn't turn around and go, Oh yeah, it's cause he does X. I think it's just, he just, it, it just seems to be working. Let's not, let's not pick it apart. <laughs> I was going to say, sometimes it's um, the players who you don't notice so much who, who, who are the key players, if you know what I mean. I mean, you can do, you, you, you don't have to do all the sort of fancy dance stuff. I mean, you know, look at the guys behind, Tarab, Tarab, you know, was the one that got talked about all the time. But it's the other guys who were like doing doing the stuff you don't notice so much that were, really were key. If you, we, if Tarab had been surrounded by a bunch of, um, you know, guys who, who weren't tearing up any trees, then um, he wouldn't have had such a good season. But yeah, Finney, what, what do you think? Uh, well, I'll be honest with you, I think it's, they seem to be, I always think with football, it's, it's always very simplistic. A bit like myself, um, in the case of when they're enjoying it, when they're winning, when you've got a togetherness, when you've got belief, and when you've got that kind of comradeship that they seem to have, you won't fear and you'll believe in yourselves. And I think it's a lot more self-belief. Listen, it's QPR. Listen, for, for the I'm 52, for all my years, they've took me up the top of the hill and they've put me right up the arse down the other side as fast as it took me up, so anything can happen. But I just think... When you speak, we had a, that week, last week's podcast with Jimmy Todd, and you're just thinking, the way he was talking about defenders and that ball, I mean, we, we were both nodding away. Like His knowledge of the game was superb. His, how he adjusted himself to the conversation. And they seemed to enjoy talking to the fans. They seemed to enjoy that bond with the fans. Charlie Austin, everyone else, everyone's come into it. And I just think it's, it's nice, and it might not go the way some people want it, and some people might see not getting promotion as an absolute disaster. I don't necessarily go with that. I think... As high as we finish, to have this squad of players together and keep playing and actually good loss of roads, thinking you can win games and away games is far more important than promotion, however daft that size. Just seeing this lot, I'm enjoying it. Really, really enjoying it. No, me too. But it, I mean, the, the downside to that is we don't get promoted then, um, you know, which we probably won't, let's face it, but you're probably going to lose a few of those players and you're going to have to kind of, kind of start again. Um, but again, let's cross that bridge when it comes to it. Steve, I was just gonna say, yeah, I was just going to say that um, you mentioned Jimmy Dunn. I think he's been absolutely tremendous. Um, I think he's had a he's had a uh, you know a couple of very near man of the match performances, if not man of the match. 
um, he just seems so assured. And because um, the thing is, obviously, we've had a bit of we've been had a bit of chopping and changing in the, in the fullbacks, and you know, and and we do the defense does look capable of dropping a rick, you have to say, but I do, I do think he's come in and, and done so well. I think device is going to find it very, very hard to get back in. To be honest, the way that defense is playing at the moment. And if we keep, keep clocking up, um, you know, clean sheets and good results like that, then, you know, you, you can't, you can't, you can't see that back three changing. Um, yeah. And, and, and Lee Wallace got to mention him. We did, we touched on him briefly. I know he's only been back two or three games and unfortunately picked up a knock. Hopefully it's not too serious. So at the time of um, going to press, as it were, I haven't heard any um, any update apart from Mark Warburton hopes it's not too serious, but he just kind of hit the ground running, didn't he? And and it's amazing to think when he, he joined that there was a lot of, uh, you know, disquiet about it and, and people thinking, well, you know, in, in the first couple of games, he wasn't exactly tearing up trees or whatever, but he's now become one of the key players at 34. It's, um, it's incredible, really, the research. But don't forget as well, Chris, going, going back a wee bit to losing players, which we're all scared of, we kind of touched on it last week, didn't we, Paul? It's better to be in a position where people are looking at players and players are coming who are young enough and move on and make a difference rather than bringing in these old husbands who are just looking for a last payday. So the likes of, you know, let's face it, Christ, I've always feel bloody old when I say this, but, you know, like, that's what QPR did for years. That's what we did for decades. You know, we brought these players through, we sold them and we replaced them really well. And, and you kind of, it was a, it was a nice changeover. And I think that's kind of where we are. And I just rather, we got the younger hungry players who will maybe move on, who will go on to other places and come back one day, hopefully. But at the same time, the club does well and we're financially more sound and we're not spending millions in a crock of all shit. Well, it becomes self-fulfilling, doesn't it? Not that I want any of this squad to move on anytime soon, but no. I guess players, younger players, are going to look at what's happened to Ezzy and go, "Oh wow, if I go and play there, I'm going to get games and I potentially could be in the Premier League." Just have, despite having been bombed out by the Millwall Academy. So, I mean, they, you know, if we do unfortunately have to sell someone in the summer who's a younger player, that will only probably hopefully encourage other people to go, oh yeah, I'll give it a go. And at the same time, we could, we'll all sit there on Instagram and in September looking at them wistfully going, oh, they're so great, aren't they? I yeah. mean, this is the one thing I've, I've never seen with the Ezzy transfer. I've never seen so many Rangers fans continually looking at another team's uh, Twitter going, oh, he's great, isn't he? You know, it's yeah. just like, <laughs> such, a, such a, a weird experience. <laughs> yeah. well, I'm such a hateful old bastard, I still don't like Palace. You love Ezzy though, don't you? Oh yeah, but they're like Palace, never have. I went to school in South East London for a while. Turns out Millwall, Charlton and Palace don't like QPR very much. No one told the Belfast kid that, I tell you. Flipping eh? We went to school in South East London. Can't tell from your accent. <laughs> no, only for, only for a couple of months because I got expelled. That's another story. But you're right. I mean, but isn't that, and that's the good thing as well. The players are bringing in, something that Ruben said, Chris, as well a while back at the podcast, they're going for characters, they're going through the, the um, they're really researching the players and who they're bringing in. And you can tell that by the fact that Ezzy was going away. And no matter what he does, he'll always be welcome back. And, and I think that's a nice thing as well. We're getting nice players in. We're getting decent human beings in. And it, and it, so far, it's working. You know, and that, that's massively, you know, thanks to what they're doing behind the scenes there because they're obviously doing something right because it's not just one or two players. They all seem pretty decent, you know? Well, I mean, I must admit, I, th- I didn't know that much about it, but I thought one who might upset the apple cart was Andre Gray. Just because, you know, he's on loan from a Premier League club, you know, he's probably been on decent money, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I know, again, you know, the didn't, fans didn't instantly take to him, which I'm, I'm not so sure 
was his fault particularly, but um, you know, he had maybe had a few quiet games. Um, but then, as you said, or one of you said earlier, I mean, he sort of answered that in emphatic style. Um, and the, you can see the way he celebrated. It's like, um, it, it, it wasn't a celebration, look at me, it was a celebration with everybody, which was brilliant. Um, okay, so I, we mentioned, touched on this earlier on, just about the size of the squad and mentioned Lee Wallace. Um, so January transfer window, I, like I said, I feel like we're going to have to bring some people in. Who, who would you, which areas would you, do you think we need to bring people in? And I'll put that one to Steve first. Oh, putting me, putting me on the, uh, on the spot. Sorry, mate. Um, I do think we probably need a full, uh, a full back. I mean, I know we've got a few full backs, but I think Wallace is fantastic. Um, but a bit injury prone and obviously, obviously getting on in, in age. Um, I like Kikai, but I'm not sure he's. Uh, I'm not sure he's the kind of the, the the quality for where we might want to be aspiring to. Um, Odubajo seems to be able to play on either on either wing, which is quite is quite useful. But I, I think I think he's a little bit suspect defensively, and I know Uncle Uncle Albert can can, can play uh, sort of standing fullback as well. Um, I don't know. I just feel like I just I just feel like we're a bit like there. Okay. Same question, Paul Stokes. I think the one thing looking at the squad, I think we we do lack slightly is just pace. I just don't think we have an out and out player. We don't have a Brian Say Samuels effectively. We need. It'd be great to have a player like him who can do that job of playing on the wing or up front. And I think if you could fight, I mean, obviously the January window is probably not the time to go looking for <laughs> that sort of player. But if you could bring someone in who could. You could just stick the afterburners on, beat players, or play in the middle, and you know Harry defences. I think it just would give us another option, another way of scoring goals. That you know, if if the second half of the season people we have injuries or people sort of tr- try and press us, because that seems to me the games where we struggled is when people really, really press us, and just having that pace out outlet would be a, would, would be a really big advantage. I think second half but, of the season. Well, but that's the thing as well. There's a, you know the, the few sort of moans and groans about you know us having. Like um, all this brilliant incisive passing, like up until the final third, and then it's just it, it, quite often. It, it's you know, it's not criticism because obviously we're on a brilliant run, but um, just um, quite often it sort of breaks down, and 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 you, you haven't got that pace for. I mean, I, I guess you could say Gray Gray has it, um, but um, people who are actually our own players, yeah, it sometimes goes back to the drawing board again and start again without actually getting the shot in on goal, but it, it seems. Um, I've loads of criticism on me. The only team who scored in every single game this season. So, um, Paul Finney, anyone you'd like to bring in? Anyone like any position specifically? I think you go and look at the fullbacks in some ways because you know the the young lads at thirty six and thirty four might have a bit of a a problem. But then again, you're looking at. Is it not a case maybe then of look at the youngsters that can step up like McKenzie and. And this, that, and the other who can come in and maybe do a job for us, and Kelman, and and so on. You know, of, of giving others a chance within the squad, um, and seeing what that would do. I guess it depends on where we are, as Paul said, with the with the African Nations Cup coming along, whether we are you know, still in a serious position for promotion. In which case, then we would probably have to bring someone in the cup of chair, maybe another goalkeeper. Um, on lawn who's not doing it. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a real tricky one because what you don't want to do is bring someone in who does such a good job that the players that went, went away don't get back in the flipping team again, um, which defeats the object somewhat. But I don't know. I'd like to say that 
we can, we've got the youngsters that can step up for a couple of games and cover. So we don't. I mean, we've still got. If you look at the forward line, you're going to have Austin Dykes, Gray, and you still got Kelvin and that. You know, it's it's not bad. You know, it's it's midfield. You got Luke Amos. He's still trying to find his feet, get his fitness up there. Um, you mentioned Azel, absolutely. You know, without being spectacular, he's playing really well. You know, Johansson is getting back to his old. You know, it's it's still a good squad. It's a very very good squad, I think. And I wouldn't like to tweak it too much. That you break whatever special we have and bring like a bad egg in, and maybe disrupt things. So it's it's a real it's a real tricky one, isn't it? Yeah, I wouldn't say I'd say it's a good squad. What I would say it's probably quite a small squad, and that's that that's the bit um, where if you I think we had that earlier in the season, you get two mm. or three injuries, and suddenly. Um, things are, are looking quite so rosy. But um, in terms of the strikers, I, I believe Kelman is uh, eligible from January. Is that right? I think because he was um, sent back. That, uh, That's it. His loan has ended, isn't it? Gillingham. Yeah. Um, but one other name, uh, Macaulay Bond, Mac Bond. What would you do with him? Because he's obviously... He's a... Well, he's opened his mouth a bit, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, and I don't think Warburton's very impressed, to be honest. Um, it's a, it's a really strange one because I have I've only just seen the comments. I haven't I don't I don't know if there was a recorded interview or, or, or something, but it was you know, and I don't know if, if if Bond misspoke or was taken out of context or whatever. But um, it was an odd thing to say about your employers, you know, because like, and I think this was a point Warburton was making. You know, it's like a QPR employee, and with you know we pay the wages, and so really. You know, if we need him to come back, then he he should be happy to come back. Um, that said, personally, I mean, I, I'm really I'm really pleased Bon is doing well over there. But you know, if he's doing well at, over there, let him. I mean, maybe let him get the full season under his belt, unless we unless we have big injury problems. And I, you know, I know I know you can't foresee that. But at the moment, right at this moment in time, do we need do do we need Bon? I'm not sure that we do. Yeah, I mean, I think he's playing for his club boy or club he supports. Maybe he got over emotional, and I can see where he was coming from. But I think dissing Jaffa cakes is a bit out of order, to be honest. <laughs> you, know, you know, ever since Rio Ferdinand was going on about eating them at half time, they've become a staple of the football world. And I think it's just disrespectful. But um, no, in all seriousness, I think possibly he's found his level. I think League One might be his level. I don't want to be, don't want to say he'll never come back and do it. In fact, I'd love it if he came back and proved me wrong. But I think maybe the reason he's done well at playing for Ipswich in League One is, you know, he's probably not getting offside as much as he was. And, you know, that could could be well the right place for him. So, you know, I, I think I think like the, the forward line is, pro- is probably the one area where for out and out forwards, I would say we probably don't need to strengthen this season. He's getting that sort of pacey winger who can play as a board if you need to cover that for me is the priority. And I'm not sure he's that player. Well, I, think the pro- we'll I think the problem, I think the problem, Sorry, mate. I think the problem is that he's he, he said what he said, and people aren't going to forget that. But also, the other QPR players probably raised an eyebrow as well. So again, it's that kind of upsetting the upper court. It's probably best, as Steve says, um, to let him maybe. St- I would have said a few weeks ago, bring him back. But after seeing the interview and seeing what he said and the context of how he said it, and as Paul said, it's boyhood club. He obviously hasn't got a great affection for us because he never really was able to force his way in. It's probably maybe best to let him stay though. And they'll probably buy him at the end of the season, and we'll probably never see him in the QPR shot again because he and he'll definitely score against us. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, if we still, you know, and that's and that's sad because you know it would have been nice if they said, "Look, QPR, my, you know, Ipswich is my club. QPR, are my employers. 
they'll have to sort it out. And I'm just I'm just happy to score goals for either. That would have been the ideal scenario of a conversation, but that didn't happen. And he's he's and then you know that after he said that and he comes back to the Rangers and hits a barren patch, he's gonna get absolutely muddled. So I can't yeah. see him coming back. Yeah, I mean we won, you know, before we move on from this, like one thing about our squad, I don't know if you saw the graphic on Twitter. Is like how much value we've got for how little money. Um, it's, mm. like, it, it's uh, what was it? Um, let me just just call it up on Twitter. So it's Fulham spent 162 million, Bournemouth 101 million, West Brom 70 million, and QPR 9.5, sandwich in the middle there. So when you when you look at that, it's quite incredible, really, what Warburton's managed to do along with Les uh, and all the other guys. Yeah, huge credit to all of them. And, and the thing is, it just shows you you don't need to spend. We keep, we've been saying this for years, haven't we, Stephen and Chris and, and Paul on various podcasts over the 12 years we've been doing this, or however long it is. You don't need to spend money to get quality. You just need the, for the championship, like the team in 2010, you just need the right sort at the right time with the right ability and you will you will go places in this division because it's, that's what it's all about. And consistency, game after game after game. You have to, you have to congratulate Warburton, and because um, he, ha- you know, um, not no, it was last Christmas, wasn't it? He he was having a really rough a rough patch, and like it was the second half of last season that we kind of kind of turned the corner, um, and it's 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 really fantastic to see see how the team has come on in that time and within that it's wonderful to see how individuals have come on and again you know the, the, you, you, we've been going to look at Willock and, and Dieng and um, Chair and you know just, just the way that there's a whole crop of players that are that are improving and you can kind of see you can kind of now see how the plan is coming together when whereas sort of 12-18 months ago it looked it looked a bit of a mess, um, and you, you got to take your hat off to 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 Les, to Les and, and and Warbs. And I mean, I must admit, this time last year, I was having my doubts about Warburton. But and I was thinking if I was thinking if Warburton went, then you know, you really you'd start to have to question the whole the whole Les the structure around Les as well. But they turned it all around, and you got you got to take your hat off to them. But the problem they had is what you think, Paul. But the problem I felt they had last season was if they let. Um, Warburton go it, the whole ship would just have to be looked at and and, and you know including the boardroom because it was a case of um, what Everton are you just keep sacking and sacking and sacking and sacking and it doesn't get anywhere yeah I mean I do think we were probably probably one game away I mean if Charlie Austin hadn't come last season and it was good point that wasn't that wasn't a guarantee I mean I remember thinking like should he come back and spoil what he's achieved but I'm, I'm glad he did it was absolutely you know I did have that feeling he might be the player who could come back and do it and, but it was probably if he hadn't signed for that Luton game that sort of turned the tide and I mean the form after that was amazing I mean I'm sure Mark Warburton will say well no look I had a plan all along maybe I didn't have quite have the squad I needed at the time um, you know, I do think it was a big ask at the, the start of the season. I don't know where that from to say last season, Lyndon Dykes, welcome from Scottish football. You're now our lead striker. That did seem yeah. slightly uh, uh, wishful thinking. I mean, obviously this season he looks he looks like he's a climb. So same with someone like Lee Wallace. I mean, people go, oh, he's an experienced pro. But he did come from Scottish football without wanting to be rude. That, that I th- uh, Paul's, Paul's frozen there. Paul Stokes, that is. Oh, he's back. Yeah, well, I'm sure you made the. We missed the last bit of your point there. You just you were frozen in time for a second. I, there, I, was, I was ranting to myself. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure it was great. It was um, a very nice <laughs> rant, Paul. Yeah. Um, no, I was. I was just saying. You know, I'm sure Warburton will look at what he's done and gone. Look, the building blocks were there, and yes, he did come very close to, you know, squeaky bum time in terms of his job in January last season, but. 
the, the foundations were right, I guess. And, and I, you know, again, I, I was probably one of those thinking, should, should we keep him? And actually, I'm glad we did. And, you know, the work he's done behind the scenes, which obviously we as fans never see, I think, you know, that's what you've got to be appreciative of. Well, it's really weird, Chris, as well, I'll be yeah. honest with you, is that he's kind of proved himself right, hasn't he? Do you know what I mean? Where we were kind of like, just plan B, where's plan B, where's plan B? And he stuck to his guns and he kept the structure the way he wanted it. And it's paying off now. So he's obviously believes in himself a hell of a lot more than we I, I thought he did, to be perfectly honest with you, because he didn't falter. I'm more part of his elbow because Paul, as Paul said, he I reckon he was one game away from maybe being um, asked to vacate the premises. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, it, but to be fair to him, I think we were doing everything but scoring before Charlie Austin came in, and that's certainly those mm. days up to that. We were playing decent football. We were, you know, we were getting chances, but just had no one to bury them. And like you say, Charlie Austin, right right place, right time, against Luton there, um, and that sort of kick-started it all. But it's also this knack. Like you say, it's, it's one thing buying a player for his skills. I mean, you can just look on YouTube or whatever and, and see, you know, or, or, you know, do a bit of coaching. But how do you find out whether a player is, as you say, a good egg or not? Because it seems to me like they're all, um, all decent, all decent fellas. Um, and, you know, like I think Austin um, has helped Dykes immeasurably since, since, um, since he came to the club, they all seem to be looking out for each other. And you saw the sort of interviews post Derby, they all seem quite, Modest sort of, you know, Willock particularly, um, and and grounded, especially for someone of his age. Um, it's just, yeah, it, it's just, it's a great knack. I'm sure they, I'm sure they do research, but how how he's come with this set of the squad is is quite something, really. I think um, I've I've heard I've heard Lee Hughes and, and and Les talk about this quite a bit. That I think they do a hell of a lot of work now, when before they actually sign a player and they go after a player they do a hell of a lot of work on you know identifying their the right characters and then before you know we get them in and you know maybe offer them a contract and do you know interviews and you know try to work out for the right sort of character that doesn't always give you the give you a perfect vision of the future i mean you know not every business hires the right people all the time but i, I think it's something that they're a lot more aware of now and to you know make sure we don't get any more jay emmanuel thomas's or uh, or joey barton's yeah, um, I, I did see before we move on to this, like, there was one thread started on, on Facebook saying, oh, I didn't realise Ravel Morrison was at Derby, which we should have, could have moved in and signed in. But it was quite uh, quite apparent when uh, when he left and he was substituted, you know, and, and stormed down the tunnel. And I just couldn't see any of our current crop of players doing that. Yeah. But that, again, Chris, that goes back to the dressing room, doesn't it? That goes back to that comradeship, that, that kind of like having no bad... I mean... Whatever Morrison says is a fault of his career not being how it should have been, it's probably him. You know, he's had more chances than anyone and he's just obviously got his own issues and I'm not going to criticise him for that, it's up to him. But I would rather have Cher in the side all day long than someone like Morrison, 100%. I think if you just look at the way they celebrated Luke Amos's goal, that's... That's the yeah. way you look at that that moment when when he scored against Huddersfield. The way the whole team just celebrated the ones who've been through and through his injuries, the ones who only just knew him this season. That that to me was a moment you went, oh, there's something about this squad. And do you know what Paul as well? He he's come back a different person as well because obviously what's going on behind the scenes, his whole persona's changed as well with the squad. It, it's it's very strange how bringing in some players can change the whole ethos of a squad, the whole dynamic of it all. And it's definitely a lot more positive. It's the most positive QPR set of players I've seen in a long time. 
Okay, well, before we move on to Stoke and the R's end, um, given that, and, and it was, you've got to say, Willock's By the way, Chris, I love that top you word. It's oh, a very really? nice QPR one. Yeah, that's um, one, one from a few years ago, I think. Um, a lot, I'll be fair to Chris. Every time we do a podcast, or he's on it, which isn't very often these days, but he's putting that around the new year because he's going to be on a lot more. Yeah. Um, he's always wearing his R's sh- shirts. See, I never did before. I mean, this, this basically, this, this, this hoodie, which is like a, um, was it Deodora? Dry World, Dry World, isn't it? Dry World, oh, well, Deodora. Deodora. Where did I get that from? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 it's a long, it's a, it's a long convoluted story. My daughter refused to wear a coat this morning, so I gave her my hoodie to wear to school, um, and I was freezing for the rest of the day because I had to go to work anyway. So um, I just grabbed this out of the cupboard, but with the the the, um, the black and gold away top. I'm wearing it because it's the it's the first QPR shirt in years that I would I, I wear away from games just because it's so nice. Um, so um, yeah, but yeah, no, this is a, this is a nice top. But yeah, uh, going back because um, we started off with the goal, um, scored by Andre Gray. I just just a quick you know round round the table favorite QPR goals. I mean, there's I know there's quite a few, but um, if you could just pick out a couple for me, uh, Finney, we'll start with you. Favorite QPR goals of all time. Anything by Mark Falco. Um, was decent. I'd have to say Alan McDonald's header against Chelsea. Um, you know, so yeah, um, I mean, it's in, in, in terms. I guess, I guess, yeah, you've got two things, haven't you? Got but the, you, yeah, but the, the best goal I've ever seen was Roy Wigley at Leeds. Yeah, and yeah. like just just sheer genius. That takes that does take some beating. Um, I mean, for me, I mean, being there at the time, it's always going to be Trevor Sinclair because I was. In the paddocks, level with it, and it was just like I, I mentioned at the beginning of the the the, the, um, the podcast. It's just like one of those weird situations where the whole ground seemed to go silent because no one could quite believe what they'd seen. Um, and it, and, and to be and it was like I said, that goal the other day was so complex, like you couldn't really take it all in. But you know, this was just like it was like hanging in the air for what seemed like an eternity, and then bang, in it went. Um, but there's so many in recent seasons. I'd say Mackie against Liverpool was just amazing. Just just given the whole context of the situation. Yeah, but there's two goals against Russian and Diamonds. I mean, those two. Yeah. Oh, both oh, of them. Richard Langley scored from a corner. I remember at Loftus yeah. Road. That was my, my favourite. I mean, not properly, but just because when you asked the question, it popped to my head was um, Adele Trav against Cardiff when he just gave uh, Tom Heaton the eyes, dropped his yeah. shoulder, went the other way, and Tom Heaton after the game was like, "Oh, it bobbled." It's like, yeah, it did. Yeah. Right, <laughs> Love that goal. Preston Tarab, you know. Yeah, Tarab could have his own. Tarab should just yeah. have his own section, really. It's not well, really he's got his own Twitter now, hasn't he? He's where yeah, people yeah, are just yeah. putting these goals up. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I somebody... like, um, sorry, go on, go on, Finney. No, I was gonna, just going to say briefly, it's it's so hard and difficult because when you're as old as I am, you've seen so many, thank God. Um, and Wegley stands out. But then there's also like the, the odd one that you would never expect, and like Nygaard. And then there was. Yeah, Leicester, yeah. Yeah, then there was the two goals Andy Gray scored against Man United, and you know both more or less exactly. It's just there's Danny so Biccio many against Wolves. And Bond, yeah. um, David Bars, he smashed in a couple of um, real. You know, it's so tricky. But I suppose the ones that we're always going to talk about is Wiggly, and then the one that always sticks in my mind, which I love and I'll, I'll take to the grave, but was Les Ferdinand against Sheffield United when he announced himself to the world. I know he scored against Chelsea and all that, but I don't know. I just yeah. I, I did I did really, really like that. I thought that was one of the most amazing goals. And um, yeah, that stays in my head for some reason. I mean, for me, there's like technically brilliant goals and, and obviously, you know, Trevor Sinclair's, uh, you know, that was brilliant. And I mean, Les scored an, some absolute 
uh, peaches, but I don't know, I quirky goals stick in my head. So, for example, um, that time we got beat at the Manor Ground at Oxford and um, Tony Scully caught, uh, scored a consolation goal. It was a, like a we got done 4-1 and it pissed it down. And that was the day that Ray Harford resigned. And like Vinnie Jones was like jumping around on the touchline. But Tony, Tony Scully's goal that day was absolutely fantastic. It was an absolute perler. It really was. And another another like cult goal, goal that I remember is, you know, when we, we beat Palace to stay up 6-0 and yeah. George Coulthard's goal. And I was thinking... Lord Almighty, George Colsar scoring. I mean, for goodness sake. Well, yeah. it is, that should have been the chance. Six nil six nil even Colshaw scored. He it? did. And um, and I'll tell you, and I'll tell you who else scored some pretty good goals as well. Devon White. I remember him scoring a fantastic one at Highfield Road when I think we did we win the, the game one nil. And like he just basically got 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 the ball, I think it was about 30 yards out. And he just he just like the Hulk, just held off the defenders, you know, had them at arm's length, and he just and he just went and slotted it past the key. I don't have an encyclopedic memory for goals, but I remember quirky goals like that. So yeah. that's that's me. That's good enough for me, mate. Um, <laughs> okay, um, it's quite it's quite um, poignant that we've got Paul Stokes here because we are talking about Stoke next. Before we go into the R's end, that's coming up next. Your 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 namesake team, Paul Stokes. How do you think that's going to go? I have no connection. Uh, I've seen somewhere in the midst of history, perhaps, but I have no connection. And I, I, I'm not sure. I asked my friend who is a Stoke fan, Tom, as a photographer I work with. He says uh, Jacob hang on, let me look. Jacob Brown is the player we, we should fear if he's playing because he has uh, reinvented himself this season. I Stoke are one of those weird things where I can never work out how good they are because in my head, they're probably good. You know, they were in the Premier. It seems like they were in the Premier League not that long ago. That probably was ages ago. You know, they, they they've got a squad of players whose names I sort of recognise some of them. But then when we play them, you sometimes you I've come away so many times going, we should have won that. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I I think I think we're going to score. I'm going to make make that prediction. I think we're going to keep our record up. Great. Well, thanks for sitting on the fence there, Stokesy. Um, Steve. Um, well, I reckon they're going quite well under Michael O'Neill, and I. I would be preferring to play them under Nathan Jones and um, Michael O'Neill. Um, sadly, that's not happening. I think, well, I'd, let's be positive. Let's let's call it a 1-0 win. Cool. Cool, Steve. He thinks Nathan Jones has been gone too long. <laughs> Very good. You're welcome. Here all <laughs> week. Um, see, it's, it's difficult because O'Neill's kind of done a similar job at Stoke that Wolverton's had to do at QPR where he's picked up a complete basket case and turned it around to a certain degree and... Um, Obviously, I've got fond memories of what Michael O'Neill did for my country and um, getting the Euros and stuff, but I hope we stuff the shit out of them on Sunday and um, make him miserable. Thanks for the Euros, Michael, but I want to win. Um, <laughs> and also for my mate, Alan, who lives in Stoke, he loves nothing more than going to work on a Monday morning after beating Stoke and absolutely give it to them because he took it for years when they were in the Premier League. Um, it's going to be tricky, but I, I think we can do it and I think it'll be 2-1. Well, they have lost their last two, to be fair. I mean, they've been on a great run, but... Um... So I'm hoping you're going to hear yourself for that next week, Chris. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, but I'm just saying. I hope, um, I hope that doesn't come back to bite us. I mean, it's a QPR fan, you know. You just like anything you can pounce on that could be negative. You you look at, don't you? But no, he I hasn't think scored for 14 years. Yeah, I think we're I, th I think we're going well, and I think I think we can come out of this with a win. So I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go two nil and be really brave. Um, okay, so we come on to the R's end. Um, I don't know who wants to go first. I know Paul Finney will go last um, because that's what happens. So. Um, Steve or Paul, up to you. Paul, let's go to you first. Okay. Uh, well, I, I was the last one I did. I was incredibly positive, so I've, I've only got, I'm going to pick a niggle because I want to remain positive, and that is literally 
can they sort the um, uh, season tickets on the Apple app out so that it appears on your phone and doesn't disappear into the mists of used passes when the when you update your iOS? What would be great is if, like, getting a plane, it popped up when the game was on. That's my one, you know, technology has failed me. Come on, guys. I wonder it. if that cropped up at the fans' forum tonight. Well, we'll find out in a minute because it's just starting. Oh, okay. Yeah. And is, is, is the uh, water pressure in the Ellerslie Road still an issue? Does anyone know? Is that uh, that was one of the favourites back in the old days. Um, okay. I you know what? I, I, I love the fact that I, I read after fans form, well, Finney asks a stupid question again. I haven't been to one for flipping years and I still get slagged off for asking stupid questions, even I'm not there. Well, there you Maybe go, they're mate. referring to a question from seven years ago. <laughs> Steve, if you were in the fans forum what would you be talking about tonight um, have you got a different R's end I've got a different R's end actually um, okay. two, two, two nice ones really um, quick ones first of all well done to the club for continuing to support Rainbow Laces I think it's really good um, they've uh, coloured the uh, the avatar on Twitter and Facebook with the the, the, the pride flag, which I think is fantastic. And I, and even though they get a lot of stick from it about it in certain in certain um, areas, I think it's really good that they do it and and support inclusion in the game. So that's number one. Number two, I just wanted to, I, another bit of praise for the club is I think this this fam zone that they're doing on the 18th of December um, that the that the uh, that the QPR's players, wives and partners, the WAPs rather than the WAGs, uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're putting together, I think is really good. And I wanted to give a special shout out to Aaron Wood, who has been all helping to organise the, um, one of the things they're doing for the like the local families in need is that they're going to let them shop in Hamleys for two hours before it opens. Before, I think Is it before Christmas? And I know Aaron, Aaron's been organising that because he's a personal shopper at Hamleys. So, well done, well done, Aaron, and uh, re- a really, really good initiative from the club and from uh, Bianca and, and Co. Brilliant. Okay, well, mine's um, mine's quite short. It goes back to the Luton game because I, c- I couldn't make it last week. Um, but, um, yeah, I just come back from the Luton game and, um, you know, it was carnage, as you know, just walking up Uxbridge Road. I didn't know what had happened then, but we just were heading to the Crown. Um, and, yeah, Bumps into this elderly couple in their 80s, I think, called Tom and Sheila, who, who, who looked quite bewildered and a bit frightened about what was going on. And, you know, I didn't, all I really did was um, I just walked up with them and they, they met their son, Steve, who I met later on. Um, and, yeah, kind of didn't think anything of it. And, and I just mentioned to Steve who I w- was. Uh, and um, anyway, but yeah, I said I'd give them a shout on the, out on the pod. So that's what I'm doing. Um, they've been going to Rangers for like 60 years, I think, maybe, maybe 70 years season ticket holders um, and, you know, thank God they got home safe um, and because they got separated from their son. So, yeah, shout out to them and, you know, maybe one day if the club are listening, it'd be, be quite nice if they could um, be made sort of special guests of the club and um, be treated to a bit of a bit of a slap up meal. I'm, I'm sure we'd all be happy to chip in. Um, and yeah, and Steve, thanks. Uh, thanks. And kind of no thanks <laughs> for putting dev- devoting a thread to on loft for words for me I was a bit slightly embarrassed when I saw my name on there but thanks very much mate I do appreciate it. and everyone who said said thanks but honestly I was only doing what anyone else would do and uh, yeah was, was slightly embarrassed by that but yeah shout out to Tom and Sheila um, sort of the earth people and yeah I'm sure they've got some great range of stories to tell I think it's my go then yes okay. a, a couple of th- by the way well said Chris a um, couple of things first of all um, I never met um Keith Davis, but he never missed a game for 60 years. 
and he was laid to rest this week. Um, as, as, as some records, 60 years of never missing a home game. I don't think anyone's ever going to beat that. And um, yeah, another one that's gone. Um, sad. And um, we did a wee article on NDRs from this week as well. If anyone wants to read it, it's up there. Um, the other thing is, you mentioned, Steve, the Bianca, which is organised, and we're actually part of it. Um, we're doing some reef things and showing people how to do um, Christmas reefs and stuff, um, which has caused a wee bit of division in the house because basically I'm driving down, putting all the flowers in place, sorting it all out, legging it to the game, and then after the game, I'm clearing up and then clearing back. Um, so I'm still going to the game, but I think it's amazing what Bianca Oss is doing. Again, it goes back to you know she's just asking people and, and QPR fans being QPR fans. We're all saying, yeah, we'll do that, not a problem. Whatever it costs, whatever it is, we'll turn up, we'll, we'll do it. And it's it's just lovely, isn't it? I mean, it's just it's why we're different. You know, I don't know how many clubs would do such a thing, um, or how many. I mean, I'm not slagging off all partners, and everything else, but you know, and I know she's had her own personal tragedies and stuff, and it's just nice that. People can have horrible, not have horrible life experience, but from horribleness comes these sort of things that we're doing. And I think QPR are amazing for doing so many things community-wise. I just can't keep thanking them because it ruins my job because I want to moan at them and demand success in European trophies and 80,000 city stadiums and warm toilets. And um, I'm just really pleased that we support a club that just forgets no one and looks after everyone as much as they can do. And um, well done to Bianca and well done to QPR. Really proud of you both. And well said, Paul. And and thanks everybody. Um, it's been great. It's been great to have a chat. Um, hope uh, hope this is recorded because <laughs> I remember one time we tried to when I was in charge of this and it didn't. But it does still. Is that the time you blame me, Chris? <laughs> well, okay. We'll never know who it was, but yeah. Anyway, well, we didn't hear a fucking was. It wasn't me. It was you. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Okay, guys. Thanks ever so much. Take care. And um, yeah, um, here's to three points on Sunday. How are you guys?